Welcome to Indie Matters, the podcast from the Nevada Independent. I'm your host, Joey Lovato. And this week, we have something a little bit different. It is our 300th episode. I cannot believe we've been doing this for almost seven years now. Six, six years and like eight months, I think. And so instead of a normal episode, we're bringing you something special. We've got uh, CEO John Ralston here. We have co-managing editor Michelle Rendells, Spanish editor Luce Gray, and former indie staff member Jackie Valley, who is now at the Christian Science Monitor as an education reporter. Uh, welcome, all of you guys. We're going to be talking about kind of the history of the Nevada Independent and talking about the news industry as a whole as well. So thank you all for joining me. Thank you. <laughs> Bet, Thanks Joey. for having us, Joey. All right. So to start off, the Indie has been around for a while now. John, I think we're coming up on seven years. January 17th of 2024 will be our seven-year anniversary. And with, with all of that in mind, John, I just want to start by asking, why did you start the Nevada Independent? Seeing better than unemployment at the time? No. <laughs> the, the, the fear, I had been thinking about it for a while, that I wanted to start a news organization and maybe be able to mentor young reporters and really build something from, from the ground up. I, I don't like this term, Joey, but it was the perfect storm. The Review Journal had recently been purchased by Sheldon Adelson. The Sun was was receding. And so it seemed like a good time to really to try to do this. And so the rest, as they say, is seven years of history. The news industry as a whole has changed a lot since we started in 2017. Let's pull back that curtain and talk about how the media landscape has changed since then. We're in 2023 now, almost 2024. What looks different? It's changed a lot, both for the good and for the not so good, when we started the Indy, there weren't a huge number of nonprofit outlets like us in, in major cities. The Texas Tribune, which uh, I, I took a lot of lessons from, was the most successful, but there weren't a lot of other large ones. And now there are a lot of nonprofit news sites. There are hundreds of them, and they've had varying success. It's also become more and more difficult. I've worried ever since I started covering politics about how the public views the media, and, and that's only gotten worse. It's really, really bad out there, and that has affected the macroeconomics of the business to some extent, I think, both through individual and corporate donors, because that's how we survive. And so it's become harder. I still stick to what I said after the first year after almost seven years, which is this is the most exhilarating and exhausting thing that I've ever done. And it is the best thing that I've ever done because of the people. Yeah, our journalism has been great, but it's because of the people that I've had the privilege to work with. I don't want to get too sentimental here, although I guess you're supposed to on the 300th podcast, but <laughs> it's, been, it's been such a privilege to call these people my colleagues. I, I can't tell you that it's been the best experience I've ever had, even though I, I feel like it's shaved like 15 to 20 years off my life. Jackie, what do you, how do you think the news industry has changed? I do think people's attention spans have probably gotten smaller. I don't think TikTok was the thing it is now when we started seven years ago. And that's one example of just how people are consuming news differently. And there's such an avalanche of so many things going on globally that it's hard to even get people to want to open the browser and look at the news some days. So I think that's only going to be an ongoing challenge moving forward. What about you, Michelle? Yeah, I think it can be 
exhausting. And sometimes the news is to blame for a lot of people's stress. And sometimes, yeah, you don't want to engage with the news. So I think we struggle to some extent with that. I think it's exciting to see that models like ours that are free to the public and exist as a public service. Like, I mean, that's pretty incredible to have no paywall and like at this point, no ads on the Nevada Independent and just to be giving this gift to the community. But it's also probably a challenge to get people to realize that they do have a responsibility in supporting the organizations that are helping them stay informed that they're reading every day and and relying on. Uh, But we do really depend on our community to survive. And Luz, what about you? What do you think? Yeah, I will say, second that observation about how people is consuming the news, especially in Spanish language. What I see is uh, like Hispanic population has grown. Also, we are seeing more news outlets, new ones. I remember when I started, there was only one station, an FM radio station in Spanish. It was a big deal. Then the first Spanish language newscast started as well. So from that to what I see now, we have more voices for the community, more news outlets, but also there's a big risk for misinformation because we have these social media platforms that we didn't have before, like TikTok, WhatsApp, all these platforms that are big now and people are using to just spread things in there. And I think that's one of the biggest changes I've seen. And we have to be careful and keep committing our jobs to make sure the information we provide is accurate and clear, especially for Spanish-speaking community. So we talked about how the news industry has changed, but just briefly, also, how has the indie changed? We started with seven and now we're at, what, like 25 employees or something like that? <laughs> 29, if you include the interns, I believe. Oh, wow. The size has changed on, 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 on a lot of different things, I think. Joey, I sometimes I admit it here publicly. I sometimes long for the days when it was just us sitting around the table in Carson City trying to figure out things uh, and when when we launched. Things have gotten more complicated. And, and, and I, I think in some ways people now expect us because we've established ourselves as an institution in this state, as the only statewide news organization, people expect more of us than we're able to do, even though we have expanded so much. That's difficult because I want to do everything. And, and and I know Michelle as a newsroom leader wants to do a lot of other things that we're not doing right now in terms of coverage. And that's frustrating to me now. It's, it's you know, and, and so we're going through some, uh, I think, growing pains on, on, on that level and also because of the economic challenges that are out there. I just think that we need to adjust to a changing environment, changing size, maybe think more about what our brand really means. And and what I have utmost confidence in, Joey, is the people who work for this organization having as good or probably better ideas for that than I do. And we're going to keep changing and growing and thriving. I have no doubt about that. Well, you did mention the the tricky economic situation that we're currently in, you know. So the news industry is definitely facing a lot of challenges right now as a whole. Yeah, I think a lot of people are probably, there's a lot of news organizations that need help probably all at the same time. And so I think it can be hard for someone to maybe support 10 different, 15 different organizations that they read, even if they wanted to. 
but you're right, like pandemic aid that helped a lot of organizations, the Indie included, has dried up people that were getting a lot of the benefits, whether that be SNAP or unemployment through that pandemic aid package, that's gone away and put a crunch on people in different ways in their in their lifestyles. And interest rates are up and it's getting more expensive inflation and gas prices and, and just cost of living has gone up. So I think people are feeling a bit of a crunch right now. I think it's about more than money, although obviously money is is very, very important. It's And, and, and maybe uh, Jackie and Luz can talk about this too. It is it is really difficult, and I think we in journalism have to be more reflective about this, is we all say we're writing for our readers, but we have to think about that more and more in the sense that it is difficult. People have so many inputs now, right? And, and to try to pierce that and to give them information that they find useful and, and to let them know that that is what we are trying to do, as opposed to just telling them what's important talking down to them, which is what, you know, a lot of journalists have been accused of. And, and, and the lack of faith in the media, you look at these polls, there's not one poll that's come out that is not incredibly depressing about how people think of the media, whether they trust the media or not. And that is a very, very difficult problem to solve. It's not just about Donald Trump and, and his enablers casting doubt on the media. It's, and, and believe me, that has been, that has been very, very damaging. But it's that people just have so many different places to find information that they have difficulty discerning what is good information, what is bad information, and what is pure disinformation. And, and how do you pierce all of that? Anyone who works at any news organization has to be thinking about that. And it's not an easy answer. Yeah, I was thinking about it a lot recently because I just returned from a reporting trip in Maine. And I was not in the coastal tourism area. I was in the other part of the state, which is very rural and um, very poverty stricken. And these families and people I was interviewing were just working multiple jobs to stay afloat. And so how do you make someone like that a reader if they simply don't have time and or just awareness in some cases? And it sometimes in these travels, it becomes more illuminating to me why there are such great divides in our country because it's such a different world in many cases from the one we all live in. And I don't know the answer to that problem, but it was weighing on me because these people are inviting us into their homes and businesses and giving us so much time. But the truth is they don't probably have time to consume the type of reporting that we're even producing, which is really sad. Yeah. And I think I'm really proud of what we're able to do and and what we're able to share through our stories, because if we can figure out a way to to help people find the time or to, to reel them in, they're going to find out. Luce and I did an interview yesterday about a free resource that helps anyone with their small struggling small business get mentorship and all for free, like from the state. And you learn about people doing really amazing things for their community. Our colleague, Nayoka, went out to Pahrump and covered a group of volunteers that flies in and sets up a free clinic every year to serve people and puts doctors and dentists to work on their day off, just really making a difference in the lives of people. And all this stuff is stuff you would just, you would just be a lot less connected to your community if, if there weren't these stories out here about what's going on in the state of Nevada and really focusing on 
on the local news and Nevada specific news that we provide. So it definitely is a challenge. I think even like finding the social media algorithms that maybe are, are not helping us get the word out, but, but there's just so much value in being able to use something like the Indian and the many things that we put out in, in helping a Nevada and connect to Nevada and living a better life as a result. You know, I think in a dream world, it would be obviously wonderful if everyone was reading all these stories that we're producing, but that probably won't happen. The one thing I take solace in is that hopefully we're indirectly helping those people who don't have the time or resources by getting their stories in front of the right people to enact change at the state legislature or Congress or whatever the powers to be are. Joey, one of the things that's changed too a little bit, at least, maybe a lot, is the the avenues that you have to try to bring in as many people as you can to, to the news product. Michelle mentioned social media. Even the algorithms that existed when we started have dramatically changed. What, what, what has happened after Elon Musk's purchase of Twitter? It, it has been all bad, I think, for journalists. And the question is, and, and Kristen does a great job and she's looking at all of this, but we have to really figure out there, there's going to be, you know, if we when we do our 27th year remembrance, there's going to be social media that exists then that we've never heard of yet. And, and, and information is going to be delivered in different ways and adapting to that. And and since you've been so modest so far on this podcast, Joey, what you have been able to do on, on this podcast since we started with not great equipment around a, a, a table in, 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 in a living room in Carson City. It's been remarkable, and you won an award for it this year, and you deserved it. And one, one, one thing that's great about you, Joey, and this is something I wouldn't have cared about in another life, which is that you're like the everyman. You, you don't care about the insider stuff. And so you ask the questions of people that regular people, unlike me, w- would ask. And, and you, it shows that you care about what, what you're doing. And the podcast, I think, will continue to evolve because you want it to. And so... If you're not willing to adapt, you are going to die in this business. And there's a lot of dying going on in this business, and it's really sad. Yeah, I appreciate all the compliments, John. And that's, that's something that I've I've thought a lot about in my time at the Indie and in, in, in just in, in journalism in general is that I do find that I want to understand why people care about the things that they care about. And politics is, like I said, not something that I initially cared about very much when I started this job, but it is something that I've really grown to respect. But I think that everything is politics in a way, and people don't necessarily realize that. It's really fascinating to me when we get to talk to these people. So I, I just think that trying to find those audiences and make them understand why the things that are happening in the state actually do matter to them is extremely important. And that's something that we've tried to do a lot of with the podcast. Last week, we had a piece on the pecan punch and it almost becoming the state drink. Again, it's politics and it does matter. And it's talking about the heritage and the history of Nevada and the Basques and that's a, those are stateless people, right? They don't have a country of their own. Now, again, that's politics. And there's a lot of interesting stuff going on in the world and in your own communities that you don't think about that relates to the reporting that we're all doing. But I've been talking for a while and I wanted to ask, Luce, do you feel that the, the Spanish side of the Indy has been embraced by the Spanish-speaking community here? And what challenges do you face you know, in trying to get to that community? I think we still have a lot of work to do in that sense, Joey, because 
the coverage we provide is very specific, like policy oriented. And like I mentioned before, these topics are not easy to understand in any language. So we need to make sure we do the best job to understand ourselves all these topics so we can then explain them to the community beyond just translating. It, it takes a lot more than that. So that's, I think, one of the challenges. I like getting emails and messages. And it's interesting in a good way to measure what is in people's mind, what concerns they have. That's one of the things I love of being a journalist, listening to people, those stories, their concerns and things. So that's uh, another challenge we want to keep fulfilling. I've got a few more questions before we wrap up. John, one of them that I had for you was just, what came first for you when you decided to start the Indie? Was it expanding news coverage in Nevada or was it experimenting with this nonprofit news model? Well, they're inextricably linked once I decided to go with the, with the nonprofit model. And so my initial thought was, let's survive uh, and let's, let's show people that we're going to do this better than anybody else. And I knew based on the talent that I had hired, that we would do, that we would be able to do it. And and uh, I knew that we'd be okay for two years, but it was beyond that. How would we be? And I have discovered that generally, I, I have been much better at fundraising than I ever thought I would be. And I guess if I can, if I, if I was shameless and willing to ask any questions as a reporter, that talent came in handy when asking people for money. But I also developed an incredible sympathy that I did not have before for politicians. I covered having to go on asking people for money. It's not a, a, an easy thing to do. With the Indy, we, we've really taken a, a, the approach that we want to partner with people we think are, are good for our brand. And I have the same kind of sensibility that, that, that we have. The Vegas PBS partnership that we're about to start with the Nevada Democracy Project. Loose has reached out and partnered with radio stations. We we are we have a partnership, as you know, Joey, with KUNR, and we have partnerships with rural newspapers. And, and I think that's 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 a model going forward that is going to help journalism get better and survive. And I think you have to do that. And the competitive part of me that would have said, no, we're never going to partner with anybody. We're going to beat everybody. No one can match us. But being able to put that aside and say, this is good for everybody, good for the community, that, that, that's a different attitude that, that I'd had before the entity started. And I think we're only going to partner more and more. I'm going I'm to steal a, a line from one of our colleagues, Daniel Rothberg, who always says, there's not enough journalists for the number of stories that there are out there. And I think that that's really true, especially nowadays as newsrooms are getting smaller and smaller. There's not a lot of room for competition anymore because that's not really necessary. Why are we all fighting over one story when there's 500 stories that haven't been told? Obviously, we're, a lot of us are going to break the same story or report the same story if it's big enough. But there are so many stories out there and there are so few journalists. And that's why journalism is so important is there's a lot of stuff that you just don't know that's going on. Um, news deserts are a huge problem, especially here in Nevada. There's so, so many stories out there that we we love telling. It's a great job that we get to do to talk to all these people. John, I wanted to ask one last thing about the structure of the indie before we wrap up, which is just how does our model as a nonprofit newsroom differ from the other models that there are out there for journalism? The financial structure, of course, is totally different than uh, a, a for-profit in, in the sense that we rely almost exclusively on donations from people and, and from corporations and 
We have gotten some grants and we do events uh, and, and I'm hoping that becomes an even bigger part of our future too, because that, that is a good way to reach out to the community. And, and I still think that this model with some adjustments is the model for the future, unless you happen to have a billionaire as an owner who can hemorrhage money. Hey, well, it's Joey here. I am jumping in from the future. We recorded the 300th episode on Friday, and then it is now Monday, right the day before this episode comes out. And some news happened and that we really felt like should come into the 300th episode. I'm joined here by editor Elizabeth Thompson. I'm going to let you tell the readers the news if they hadn't seen it on Twitter already. Okay. For those of you who have not yet heard, after close to seven years with the Nevada Independent founding this absolutely challenging, wonderful, fun project with John Ralston, I am exiting. It's bittersweet for me, of course, because John and I consider the Nevada Independent our baby and our legacy. And we've poured blood, sweat and tears into it over the years and, and worked so many long hours. So it is difficult, of course, to leave. But um, I have some happy news, which has prompted all this, which is that I met a wonderful man in Southern California close to two years ago who has convinced me to marry him. So now I'm going to spend more time in California and be, I guess, become a resident there. Yeah, well, it's amazing, Elizabeth. You made it. You made it 300 episodes exactly, pretty much. <laughs> You've done so much for the indie. I just wanted to, like, you know, reminisce a little bit here and, and talk about the podcast. You know, this is the 300th episode. Let's celebrate and enjoy this day. Um, but is, is there anything that sticks out to you as like kind of a favorite episode or a favorite story that we've had on the podcast or that you've gotten to help with or edit? It's really hard to pick just one. You know that I have a fondness for quirky stories and you are an expert at finding these things. Um, I loved the Radio Goldfield trip and interviews and the the production that came out of that, which was both video and podcast material as well. And we wrote a story, best of all possible worlds, that we got video, audio and print material out of it, <laughs> as well as a slew of amazing photos. So I guess if I had to pick one, also because I have a heart for rural Nevada, I'm a farm girl from Michigan originally. If you held a gun to my head, that's the one I would choose. But <laughs> Um, if you let me talk, I could go on and name dozens of, of podcasts and segments that I just think have been wonderful. And I'm so thankful to you, Joey, for all you've done. Well, and we wouldn't be able to do it without, obviously, the support of you and the other, the rest of the editorial team, you know, Michelle Rendell's, John, Riley, and, and everybody. So it's it's been a really, it's been a wild ride. Here's a 300 more Indie Matters episodes, and I'm sure- even though you're you won't be guiding them through the uh, the publishing, I'm sure we'll we'll maybe ask your opinion on a few episodes in the future. So Elizabeth, you'll be missed. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, and thank you everyone in Nevada for listening to Indie Matters over the years. We really appreciate you. Now back to John for some final thoughts about the indie nearly seven years in. When I started at the RJ in 1984, I, I made some great friends there, and they're still my friends today. And, and I, I made friends when I worked at the Sun as well and at the TV stations that I worked at. But they're, these are the greatest people I've ever worked with, and and it is it is a privilege for me. It really is. All right, well... It's a privilege for us to work with you too, John, and we really, we really appreciate it. And I really appreciate you taking some time to come on to the 300th episode and for you to take a leap of faith on me when I was an annoying 21-year-old bugging you guys. And the number of times that the podcast has changed over the years, 
it's we've gone through a lot of iterations, but I think we've really hit our stride with these with where we are now, and and that wouldn't be possible without you, John. So we we thank you for that. Oh, but, let's let's be clear though before you leave. You are still quite annoying. <laughs> <laughs> it's very important. Look, someone's got to be the annoying <laughs> the annoying voice in the newsroom. <laughs> And so with that, I just want to say again that we're a nonprofit. So if you do like what we're doing, please do donate. There's a big donate button on our website, thenevadaindependent.com, where you can help support the work that we do here. And thank you all so much for, for joining me today, John, Jackie, Luce, and Michelle. We've had a lot of uh, time to get to know each other and spend a lot of time together working closely. So yeah, with, with that, I just want to say thank you for listening to this episode of Indie Matters. I wanted to thank everyone that was on the podcast today. Again, John Ralston, Michelle Rendell's Luce Gray, and Jackie Valley. This show is produced and edited by me, Joey Lovato, along with assistance from Alex Kuro and Michelle Rendell's. If you want to support the show, leave us a rating and review wherever you listen. You can also email us at podcast at the Our theme song is from Emily Pratt, and we have additional music from Storyblocks, June Pearson, and myself. Thank you for listening to Indie Matters. I'm your host, Joey Lovato, and we'll talk to you next week.